Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast God's Holy Word. I'm your lovely host Leslie Sullivan. And today is episode 56, and we are going to take a look at Exodus chapter 20 verses 2 and 3, and I'm going to be reading from the NIV version. Now, when I read this verse or these two verses, I about jumped out of my seat. I love the book of Exodus. It is so good. You know, there are times in my life that I really zone in on the Old Testament and there are times that I zone in on the New Testament. I just love these verses because for the longest time I did not understand the Old Testament because again, I was raised in a very wrath of God religion, which is not the way to raise anyone and it's not the way to live because we are supposed to fear the Lord but not out of terror. It's out of reverence. You know, if you're constantly living in terror, you know, you're probably going to die really young from a heart attack or a stroke because that is so much stress on your body. God doesn't want that for you. You know, the fear of the Lord is reverence for him. It's honor, it's majesty towards our heavenly Father. So, that's what that means, but you know, th- these are wonderful verses. So, let's go ahead and dive into this one. It says, "I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt." out of the land of slavery you shall have no other gods before me i love this i absolutely love this okay so let's start with the first part of this it says i am the lord your god that is god speaking directly to us so if anything this is a true testament to the fact that god is not distant he is very near to us he is near to us every day of our lives Like let me tell you how close he is to you. The air that you're breathing, he gave that air to you. The lungs that you have, he created those for you. That's how close God is to you. He is the oxygen that we need every day of our life. That is how close God is. So if you're going through a situation where you feel lost, your life is turbulent, I'm just telling you straight up to feel lost and to feel turbulent is a lie straight out of the depths of hell. It doesn't mean that that your situation is not real. But you need to give that situation to God because right here God is saying, "I am the Lord your God." I am the Lord your God. Not his God, not her God, their God, it's your God. It's very personal. You know, this is very true of our heavenly father that he is a very personal god. He created your soul, he created your body, he created all of you. How beautiful is that? I just love this. Goes on to say he brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. How beautiful is that? It says who brought you out of Egypt. He's letting the Israelites know there is no way they could have gotten themselves out of Egypt. No way. They were enslaved for 400 years. If they could have done it on their own, they would have. See, cuz there's a thing. There were millions of of Israelites that were enslaved. The you know, the Egyptians, they didn't have that large of a population, not like you know as many as their slaves that's why they beat them so bad 
For those that don't understand this kind of slavery, this goes back a long time, long time. You know, almost every civilization, especially ancient civilizations, they had slaves. And almost always there were more slaves than citizens of any given nation or country way way back in the day. The way that they controlled their slaves was to beat them down physically, mentally, emotionally. So that way they would not have any ounce of courage whatsoever to revolt. Because their oppressors knew Hey, there's more of them than there are than us, so we've got to be mean to them so that way they won't even think ever ever think about revolting against us. And then whenever a slave did revolt, they made it a very public execution. That is nothing new. Romans did that, the Greeks did that. I mean, this goes back hundreds if not thousands of years. So God is telling them, "I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery." So He's telling them that land you were in, that was slavery. Don't ever go back to it. That's where you lived, but that's not where you're going. He's very clear about this. You know, God spoke to His people because. they needed to hear from him. God knew that. That's why he's speaking to them. And also the Israelites, they were surrounded by pagan gods. That's another reason why he says, "I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery." See, here's the thing. If you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping something else. And if you're worshiping something else, you are making yourself a slave. Did you know that you are called to something better than that not a single one of us is supposed to be a slave to anything that means you're not supposed to be a slave to your phone to youtube to the internet to your boss to a false religion to a hateful religion you're not supposed to be a slave to worry to fear doubt depression anger alcoholism drug addiction sex addict all those things are a type of a pagan god because if you put that before god you're not worshiping god you're worshiping whatever you're putting before him that's why god is saying i am the lord your god who brought you out of egypt out of the land of slavery see sometimes we're going through a very dark valley in our life I I think that can be equated to a land of slavery. Because hard times sometimes feel like it's going to last forever. But you know what's interesting is the Israelites did not give up. They knew that God keeps his promises and they knew that he would bring them a deliverer to get them out of Egypt. They knew they did not give up. They waited on the Lord 400 something years. That is a long time to wait. It goes on to say, "You shall have no other gods before me." 
I love this. And here's why. I can think back to times in my life, and again, I'm only 38, but I can think back to times in my life where God was not first, everything else was first. God was just an afterthought. It was just like, well, yeah, I I feel like being religious. Maybe I'll go to church. And then I'd wake up and be like, "Ah, I don't really want to go to church and be around people I can't stand." or I don't want I don't want to have to meet new people. I don't want to have to introduce myself. Like I just wasn't in a good mood. I just was like there are times I want to be alone. And you know, this may shock some people, especially those that know me, but I'm actually an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. For years I was told I was an extrovert because I talked a lot when I was younger. And what I didn't realize until I was older was the reason why I talked a lot was because I was nervous. I was anxious all the time. And so I would just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk just to fill up the silence. Well, now I don't really care to talk. I care to speak. There's a difference. Talking is just filling the void. It's just filling up space. Speaking means you have purpose in what you say. which means you're going to speak less, listen more. See, all those years that I thought I was just being an extrovert, I was just talking, talking, talking. Guess what? I wasn't really accomplishing a whole lot in my life. Did I accomplish things? Yes, for sure, but not as much as I'm doing now because now I'm more quiet, I'm more settled, I'm more goal-oriented. I've always had goals in my life, but here's the thing, when you get rid of the clutter, You see what you really want to do. You see your true purpose. And here's the key. I did not understand my true purpose until I truly put God first. I was never a pagan. I didn't worship other gods. Not like what you would think. Not like an idol or things like that. But here's the thing. Technically, if you're putting something in front of God, that is pagan. That's worshiping something else. because you're making something else more important than God. You're putting something else on a pedestal. Well, see here's the thing. God's not on a pedestal. He's on his throne. He is the only one that has a throne. And he is up in heaven. So who are we to try and dethrone our heavenly Father with anything whether it's a false religion? whether it's a false ideology or maybe it's just lack of faith maybe it's living a frustrated life guess what you're you're going down a, a bad path you're going towards a path of doubt misery dread and eventually you might completely give up on God altogether but here's the thing he never gives up on you never we are his children See, sometimes people don't understand God because they had bad fathers. I've met some people over the years that their father abandoned them. And that scars them. It really does. And so it really angers them sometimes whenever Father's Day comes around. And it's one of those things that I really love what one of my pastors said here recently at Father's Day. And I think I've mentioned this before. You know, there are those that did not have a good father figure in their life. So Father's Day is kind of a unpleasant day for them. But what my pastor said was that even if you did not have a good father figure in your life or no father at all, 
we have a heavenly father. So if you don't have a good earthly father in your life or a good memory of your earthly father, think about your heavenly father. Think about your heavenly father. Celebrate him on Father's Day. He created you. He loves you. He adores you. And when I say adores you, that's not just for women. That's for men too. God loves all of his children. All of them. It's not just the few. God calls all of us all of us as children. He calls all of us to answer the call to holiness, but not everyone answers. See, whenever a child goes astray, that's not always a reflection of the parent. And when it comes to God, it is not a reflection of God, it's a reflection of the individual. Like I remember in high school, I think it was my junior or senior year, they implemented some stupid rule either in our county or town or state. I can't remember what level of government it was, but it was totally stupid. It said that if your child is truant and misses so many classes, it's the parents that get fined a fee and or arrested for their child not showing up to school. I disagreed with that. Even as a teeny bopper, I was like, "Well, some of these kids are stupid." And I don't mean their intelligence. I just mean that some of them just can't stand school. They want to skip school. They want to leave town. You know, maybe they've got problems at home and they're trying to escape a bad problem. Maybe they're a druggie. But you see, the the law was going after the wrong person. They should have gone after the kid. And I don't mean in a bad way. I mean that they should have sat down with the kid and said, "Hey, why are you not showing up to class? Is there something going on? Because you are a minor. You are in the public school system. You have to show up to class." Because a lot of these parents, once their kid leaves for school, they don't know where their kid's going. And see, this was back in the day before parents could stalk their kids online and make sure that they showed up to class. Because I guess there's like an app or something that teachers use to show, like if the kid is there, and then they can see the the parent can see the kid's grades, like as soon as the test is taken. I think that's horrible. That would put so much stress on a child. I mean, it was stressful enough taking a test when I was a kid. Excuse me. I can only imagine what these kids are going through now. Just the intensity and the high level of oh, you have to perform, perform, perform all the time. It's ridiculous. It's insane. It makes no sense whatsoever. So, you know, what's interesting is that our heavenly Father, he doesn't stalk us. He's not one of these helicopter parents. Our heavenly Father is a gentleman. If he sees you got a bad grade on something, or if he sees you've made a mistake he's not going to lock you up in prison he's not you know going to have the fickle finger of fate upon your back and strike you strike you with lightning what you need to do is you need to go to your heavenly father and say hey this happened i need help with this how many children do you know feel that comfortable going to their parents i don't know very many i just don't and that's sad I didn't know very many kids that were that close to their parents even when I was younger. And I think that's very unfortunate because children need to have good parents. 
They need to have a good home life because it, it messes them up, especially when they become an adult. It's really sad. But all of that can be solved from these verses right here. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You know what's interesting about these verses is that it's very clear that God loves his people and he doesn't want them to put anything in between him and them. He wants to be close to them. He wants to guard them and protect them. But he also wants them to succeed. Sometimes people think of God as someone that's stifling or, you know, a Victorian kind of dictator or something. That's not who our heavenly father is. That's how some parents behave, but that's not who who our heavenly father is and that's not how he behaves. See, God wants us to flourish. That's why he put these desires and hopes and dreams in our heart so that we would accomplish these things in our lifetime. And I say in our lifetime because there are so many parents that are living through their children's lives. They're living It's like they're stealing someone else's childhood and it's really disturbing and I've seen this and I'm like your kids just need to be who they are called to be. They have their own individuality. They need to flourish in that. It should not be manipulated by their parents or by anybody. Parents are there to guide the child, not manipulate, not control. There's a difference. See cuz God doesn't manipulate or control us, he guides us. Because how else can we have free will and be who we are called to be if he's just controlling us like puppets all the time? God is not a puppeteer. That's not who he is. He expects us to want to have fellowship with him and he expects us to want to be successful. He expects us to want to be happy. He expects us to want to be healthy. That's what these verses are talking about. But if you pull these verses out of context and if you don't understand that God is a good God, then you're going to see this as someone who's controlling and doesn't want you to have any fun. That's not it at all. God is a very fun God. You know what? I have found more joy in my faith than in the world. Like I remember there was one season I went through in my life where I was trying all all types of fun stuff. Amusement parks, I mean, different venues of comedy. I was trying to find find something to make me happy. Well, guess what? I still wasn't happy. And so I just stopped going to stuff for a little while, and I realized, okay, something's going on. Well, it was my lack of faith. I wasn't finding joy in my life because I was looking in all the wrong places. God is the right place. Our heavenly Father is the right place. You know, there is joy, there is happiness, there's laughter, there's all these wonderful things in God our Father. We need to focus on the goodness of God because that is who God is. He is good. He is merciful. 
He is kind. He is giving. I wish more people knew about the goodness of God because if they actually knew about the goodness of God, they wouldn't get so upset about stuff. They'd be like, you know, it's just water off a duck's back. I mean, there are some things that are upsetting and disturbing, but you know, it shouldn't just paralyze us in fear or terror. You know, that's why our heavenly Father is speaking to the Israelites here. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You know, there are many times that God is speaking to the Israelites and he says, "Stand firm. Stand upright, take courage, go in and conquer that land." The Israelites were scared. They experienced fear. But God was telling them, "You know, if you want the promised land, you have to go in and fight for it." You have to go win and fight. But here's the thing. If God be for you, who dare be against you? But there were times that the Israelites they did not want to go in and fight. And that's not what God said to do. That's why sometimes God is speaking very firmly to his people, which is also us. I am the Lord your God. who brought you out of Egypt. You know what's interesting is that he's reminding them, I brought you out of Egypt. But then there are a couple times that the Israelites were like, "You know what? We had it better in Egypt. At least we had food." Are you kidding me? For 400 years it's like they ate gruel. They were treated horribly by the Egyptians. But you see, they wanted it to be easy. But Here's the thing, when you put God first, it is easy. But if you put doubt, fear, worry, anything else in front of God and you make that your God, everything will be difficult. And that's what happened to the Israelites. That's why they had to wander through the desert for like 40 years. Because they doubted God and they would not go in and fight these people. They did not get to go into the promised land immediately because of their doubt and rebellion. So I encourage you brothers and sisters, do not doubt God, do not live in rebellion. Live in the blessing of God. Enjoy what God has given you. It's a beautiful thing. It's very beautiful. I will go ahead and end this podcast, but until next time, as usual, I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole. that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.